And now, here's Dr. Mike. Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of Soaring Eagle Radio. Deceived. Deception on a mass scale. Deception on a worldwide basis. That's what we're witnessing today. Deception that this world has never seen before. The level of deception is palpable for the remnant, isn't it? We see it, don't we? We scratch our heads and think, what in the world is going on? How is it possible that so many people have been deceived? Well, let's talk about that a little bit today on this episode. A couple of scriptures come to mind. Titus 3, 3. For those of you who want to follow along, Titus 3, 3 tells us that all men and women, all people before faith in Christ were deceived. All people. All people were deceived, friends. First John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says this, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Christ gives us understanding. He is the light, it says in the scriptures of the world. He is the light unto salvation. He is the light unto truth. And so our minds are freed in a sense, are renewed and capable of apprehending the mind of Christ, the scripture says. However, throughout the scriptures, we are admonished as believers to not be deceived. Now, that's an interesting thought. We want to say that only the lost can be deceived, and that is simply not true. Believers can and are being deceived today. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, we read this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows this, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So even as believers, we can become deceived. We can stay in that deception And believe that the things that we are doing are going to come back to us in God's favor. And that is simply not always the case. Sometimes, as Paul said to the Galatians, we are sowing in the flesh. James chapter 1, a larger passage of scripture, verses 12 through 17, says this. James 1, 12 through 17 Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 
Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. We are deceived especially when we allow sin opportunity to come into our lives and we try to explain it away or we try to justify it. James says, don't be deceived. Clearly, we can be. I was reading recently in a, in a uh, book authored by Jesse Penn Lewis, rather interesting statement about deception. She, she goes through a, a list of the scriptures dealing with deception. And uh, it all deals with the believer. It all deals with the believer. For example, James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us that we are deceived if we are a hearer only and not a doer of the word. We sit week after week after week, take in the word, listen to it, but we don't do anything about it. That is what it means to be a pew potato. I've made this observation many times. I've said it from the pulpit, other venues where I've had the privilege of teaching or speaking, that Christianity, in order to be true Christianity, has to be connected at some level or degree or degree to activism. Your faith must be put to action. You cannot just be a hearer of the word and not a doer because James says you're deceived if you believe that's what Christianity really is. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, we learn that people are deceived if they believe that they are without sin. Now, of course, that speaks to our fallen state in Adam. And it also speaks to those who believe that they can arrive at some kind of spiritual maturity where they are without sin in this life. And I'm not going to get into that doctrine, that quote-unquote holiness doctrine or the second blessing of a sinless existence. But I will say this, as long as we are trapped in this flesh, in this fleshly tent, as long as we are living in this space and time dimension, we're going to be subject to sin. That's not conceding anything. That's not, that's not bowing to the inevitable. I believe that part of the process of sanctification is that we will grow in holiness. And yes, we have been freed. We have been released through the blood of Jesus from the power of sin in our lives. But until we are looking at Jesus face to face in eternity, we are still going to be subject to the presence of sin.
And these earthly bodies, these fleshly tents that we have, are weak and frail, prone to sin. So we are deceived if we believe otherwise. In Galatians 6, 3, people are deceived if they think that they are something when they are nothing. Here it's talking about a haughty spirit. It's talking about ego. It's certainly addressing narcissists, hypocrites. People can self-deceive. They can deceive themselves very, very easy. In 1 Corinthians 3.18, we are told that we are deceived if we think that we are wise based on the wisdom of this world. Well, that is a good launching point. I'm going to come back to that in just a few moments. That's a good launching point for some of the things that I want to touch on today. Thinking that we are wise based on the wisdom of this world. But we can also point to James chapter 1, verse 26, which says that we are deceived when we think that we're religious, but we have an unbridled tongue. Wow. In Galatians chapter 6, the one I already read, verse 7, people are deceived if they think they're sowing for the kingdom, but they're actually sowing for the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, we're deceived if we think that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we are deceived if we think that contact with sin will not have its effect. I used to tell my children when they were growing up that when you run with dogs, you get fleas. That's a paraphrase of bad company corrupts good morals. It is important who you hang out with. That really raises uh, raises for our attention the importance of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And you all know this passage well. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 6 identifying the, the nature of the warfare this was Paul's pulling back of the curtain, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 6. He pulls back the curtain and he says, I want to show you what's really going on in the supernatural realm. You need to understand what is arrayed against you. Friends, this is a good place to remind you that we are not alone. We are not alone. There is a supernatural realm, and it is full of demonic entities. Demonic entities. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, Paul said, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now I want to point out, some people throw this up, or our struggle is not against flesh and blood. They throw it up as a reason or as an excuse not to be engaged in the spiritual warfare that is raging all around us. Spiritual warfare has a supernatural origin, but it manifests in space and time. And to claim that our struggle is only against those supernatural forces is naive. Paul is showing us what's happening in the supernatural realm, and he's saying that all of the the quote-unquote, as uh, Vladimir Lenin used to call his communist compatriots, useful idiots. There are many people who are useful idiots today. They're being used by demonic forces to do their bidding. And my point is this. The supernatural realm manifests itself in space and time, and it uses people. People to the, to the enemy, people to Satan, the devil, they're just pawns. They're just pawns. He'll use them as long as they're useful, but he will eventually destroy their lives and cast them aside. So while the origin of our spiritual warfare It's certainly the supernatural realm, other dimensions. It does manifest in space and time, and it does have a face. Because of this in verse 13, then, picking up what Paul is writing here in Ephesians 6, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of gospel of peace, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Friends, it has broken out. This is a most interesting time, but it's also a a time of great worldwide deception. Now, we know from the scriptures during this time of worldwide deception, much of the visible church falters and falls into apostasy. And I believe that we are seeing that right now. It's in progress. Right now, this great falling away, this great apostasy, for so many different reasons. The mass deception, we didn't arrive here overnight concerning the church, friends. This mass deception has several telltale signs along the highway to hell. Among those, the weakening of the authority of the scriptures higher criticism, for example. 
distorting the teaching of the scriptures, allowing false teaching to take root, adding to the scriptures the thoughts of men, philosophy, psychiatry, and putting the scriptures entirely aside, abandoning, if you will, the truthfulness of the scriptures. Now, this is why we see so many churches, so many churches that have gone, quote-unquote, woke. So many churches that have adopted critical theory. In our current context, critical race theory, but it has a root in critical theory, and that goes back to the Frankfurt School and, and the Marxists, and I've made this point many other times in many other places. Marxism is Satanism. Marxism is not atheistic. True Marxists are not just the useful idiots. True Marxists are Luciferians. They're much like Freemasons. The lower ranks of the Freemasons are just ignorant people. They think they're doing community service, good toward their fellow man. But when you reach the higher echelons, 33rd, you'll find out what the real deal is. So churches have fallen into apostasy. So many different examples. The current most prominent example is with the the scam demic, the scam demic. It is absolutely astounding to me that these wicked evil people have been able to advance the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese communist flu, however you prefer. They've been able to advance this narrative as it is something deadly. I'll tell you what's deadly. What's deadly is the treatment. What's deadly is the jab, the vaccine that isn't a vaccine, the vaccine that is a DNA editing, DNA altering, transhumanist dream come true. The COVID-19 vaccine injuries and deaths are off the charts. Friends, if you believe for a second what the CDC is reporting as far as deaths in their VAR system, (laughs) Well, here's a wake-up call. They are absolutely lying through their teeth. Absolutely lying through their teeth. And I don't know how how many doctors it's going to take to come forward and put their professions, their lives, in fact, on the line to challenge what the CDC the FDA and all these other bought and paid for Chinese fronts 
are saying to make you believe. Depending on where you look, what you read, you're going to hear all kinds of things. But even, even if the CDC's stats were correct, how in the world, how in the world did we ever get to a place where we're allowing, actually cheerleading for people receiving an injection into their body? that has a high probability of causing lasting, permanent, even maybe even fatal complications. And again, depending on what you read, where you're looking, even at 15,000 deaths, France, 15,000 deaths from the jab? And that's acceptable? Actually, I think that figure is a lot closer to 150,000 deaths and maybe even more than that. Certainly, injuries are in the millions. Fully vaccinated people, a new study in the UK came out recently. Fully vaccinated people account for about 74% of COVID deaths. Yeah, I said that right. Those that are fully vaccinated, of all the deaths attributed to COVID, 74% of those are people that were vaccinated. Simply unbelievable. Now again, Europe and European Union's database, they're reporting... 24, over 24,000 deaths and 2.3 million injuries after people have received the jab. It's simply unbelievable that this kind of, of evil and wickedness is, is okay. It's, it seems to be accepted here in America. On the medical kidnap, medicalkidnap.com, medical kidnap website, um, a report came out yesterday under the headline, Genocide of Seniors Continues as FDA and CDC Recommend Third Booster Shot to Age Group with Highest Amount of Deaths Following COVID-19 Shots. And the story says last Friday, an FDA vaccine advisory committee voted 16 to 2 against authorizing a third Pfizer COVID booster shot. And yet, inexplicably, they later took a second vote among the same committee members to authorize a third Pfizer booster shot for people over the age of 65. And by the way, that vote was passed unanimously. How in the world would you vote 16 to 2 against authorizing it for everybody else, but unanimously, 18 to 0, unanimously voting to offer it to people over 65? What's going on with that? Well, 
they camouflage that and say, well, 65 and over, they're the most vulnerable. So we need to make sure they're getting this booster. Do you think that's really the reason why they're doing that? I can tell you that it isn't. This kind of wickedness is is a mass deception. People that are supporting these jabs, and by the way, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of stories out there of people who are bragging about getting the jab, bragging about it, some mocking and ridiculing those of us who believe that it's dangerous have died. It's tragic. One day you're mocking those of us who say it's dangerous and the next day you prove our point because you're dead. It's simply unacceptable in America. Moving on from there, have you been keeping up with the Arizona voting examinations? Have you have you heard that there is proof now? Proof of massive, massive fraud. This is just, well, what I've read of the reports and some of the commentary coming out from that canvas of the, of the vote in Arizona is that it's probably close to 500,000 votes off. And if I recall... Biden was declared the winner in in Arizona by, was it 10,000 votes? So that's a rather large discrepancy, don't you think? (laughs) Also of interest to you along this lines of deception. Many of you know I I served uh, in the military, and so I have a keen interest in and what's happening with our military and and just watching our military be used as a as a political tool General Mark Milley's treason recently recently revealed treason that right now he seems to be uh sliding sliding through okay Why has he not been arrested? I'll tell you why he hasn't been arrested. Because he's a leftist. He's a leftist. And he is doing the work of his masters. No, I don't mean Biden and I don't mean Pelosi. This goes way beyond them. Over at uh, America Out Loud, 
America Out Loud website, Liberty and Justice for All, American, AmericaOutloud.com. This article dated uh, the 22nd, September 22nd. You can find it. Wallace Garneau authored it. He writes, we can speculate about why General Milley did what he did. Speaking with the Chinese to reassure them everything would be fine makes it sound like he knew the election results before the election occurred, which would make some sense if he were about to have a fraudulent election. If the Democrats knew they were going to cheat the election and were prepared to flood swing states with millions and millions of fake ballots, it would make all the sense in the world to ensure that the highest-ranking member of the armed forces was on board. It would also make all the sense in the world for General Milley to have circled the military wagons prior to the election. In that context, the call was still treason. But it was treason committed by a whole bunch of people. And everything that happened afterwards suddenly makes perfect sense. We also learned over the past week that the political left from President Biden on down considers General Mark Milley a hero for having committed treason. Treason being considered heroic by the left also makes perfect sense when we consider that we had the 10th birthday of the Occupy Wall Street movement this past week. Ironically, the birthday of the Occupy Wall Street movement is on Constitution Day. It's also the birthday of the United States Constitution. Ten short years ago, Occupy Wall Street was a fringe group of anti-American anarchists, fascists, and communists protesting capitalism, declaring America a nation based on white supremacy and demanding that the United States be transitioned into either fascism, a communist state, or a stateless communist utopia. When a band of protesters took over Zuccotti Park on September 17, 2011, Occupy Wall Street became the first autonomous zone in the United States, declared by its occupiers to be separate from the United States. The occupiers refused to let the police enter their autonomous zone, and Mayor Bloomberg relented to their demands, allowing them to operate as a foreign nation in the middle of New York City. They ran their autonomous zone using what they called the Assembly which was a system in which anyone could speak, but in which the most marginalized could speak first, within the least marginalized being expected to agree with the more marginalized who spoke before them. Occupy Wall Street introduced a new concept to the American people, racial essentialism. Democrats around the country rejoiced. When more autonomous zones popped up years later, some called it a summer of love. The left has been celebrating treason, for 10 years, racial essentialism is the belief that someone's race is not only a defining characteristic of who and what they are, but that someone's race is the only determining characteristic in determining who and what someone is. In other words, in every interaction between people, race is essential in determining outcomes. Another term that came later, anti-racism, is based on racial essentialism. To be an anti-racist is to believe that the United States is an evil empire of white supremacy, that whiteness is evil, that all white people are innately corrupt, and that the only way to make up for the sins of the past is to burn our nation down, start over from scratch. 
the new nation in which white people are an oppressed minority. In other words, the left believes that the solution to racism is more, and in their opinion, better racism. Ironically, the Occupy Wall Street movement was almost all white. Not only that, but whenever people of color said things that differed from what the white leaders of the movement believed, those people of color were declared outcasts, traitors to their race. In other words, Occupy Wall Street was a religion in which people of color were the priestly class but were tied to an orthodoxy they did not write and were powerless to change. Freedom of thought was not something Occupy Wall Street believed in, nor is it something the offshoots of the movement believe in today. The other groups that grew out of Occupy Wall Street, such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, so on, all had the same issue. People of color, particularly black people, were continuously thrust into the spotlight, but only as long as they said what they were told to say by the angry anti-American white liberals thrusting them forward. It is also most dangerous up front, right where the white liberals demand that black people stand. The message to African Americans is clear. Stand up front where the bullets where the bullets are and say what we tell you to or we will throw you out like yesterday's trash. How progressive, huh? We know what happened on Inauguration Day 2020. Trump protested the election result, calling it illegitimate. Anyone awake between 2 to 3 a.m. on election night would have to agree. and told his followers to peacefully and patriotically protest. Shortly thereafter, Washington, D.C.'s police force opened barricades and allowed several hundred people to enter the Capitol building, which turned into a riot after an unarmed Air Force veteran named Ashley Babbitt was shot dead by a police officer, whose name has never been released to the public. Joe Biden then declared white supremacy the greatest threat our nation faces and tasked Mark Milley, the same Mark Milley who had just a few months earlier committed treason against the United States by telling China's military leadership that he, and not the president, controlled our armed forces. Biden enlisted Mark Milley to weed out right-wing extremists in the military. At the same time, all right-wing belief was declared extremism and linked to white supremacy with no regard for whether or not the people on the political right were in any way racist. Justification here was that the country is racist. Thus, those who defend it are fighting for white supremacy, even if they themselves do not consider themselves white supremacists. Mark Melly then began wokeness training throughout our military to weed out conservatives and to redirect our military's mission away from one of defending the nation against hostile foreign powers like the one he committed treason for, and toward protecting the government against the American people, most of whom, we are now told, are white supremacists. The official position of the United States government today is that the United States is an evil empire whose founding documents are as racist as Mein Kampf. If you don't believe me, note that the National Archives under the Biden administration have added trigger warnings to the U.S. Constitution and Declaration of Independence to warn people that they should find these documents offensive. What does the Biden administration call the systematic destruction of the United States? They call it Build Back Better. Against this backdrop, Democrats are in lockstep in holding Mark Milley as a hero who saved the nation from the grips of an evil madman. 
helping ensure a peaceful transition of power, a transition of power Mark Milley apparently knew would occur before the election even took place. We learned all of that over this past week. Friends, the deception is at an all-time high. But we were told that it would come to this point. Those of you who have been faithful in your in your Bible reading, studying, meditating, listening to the Bible teachers that you can trust, this is not surprising to you in any manner or form. What's surprising is the number of people who seem as if they are in a dream. They're they're mesmerized, they're hypnotized, they're well, they're walking around like zombies. They don't seem to have any ability to connect the dots. They don't seem to be able to logically, rationally, analytically gather all of the available information and come to a conclusion that America is being destroyed. Now, the true goal, as I've said in many instances, the true goal is the destruction of the remnant body of Christ. And I qualify that goal by using remnant because much of the visible church, certainly the Southern Baptist Convention is one example of the process, the ongoing process of apostasy of an entire denomination, the largest denomination in in America, being destroyed from the inside. Now, this is led by a number of prominent Southern Baptist leaders. It's not necessary for me to name names. You already know their names, but I'll mention a couple. Moore and Platt and Greer and Moeller. And I could go on, but you get it. You understand. I remember observing each of those men and the sharp left turn that they took. It was almost as if they had received new marching orders. And so it won't be very long before the SBC will be no more. Now there may be a a uh, division, there may be a remnant that will come out of, of the ashes that remains to be seen. The same thing is happening across other denominations. Decades and decades ago, we saw that with with other denominations, Lutherans, Presbyterians. In my own flavor, in my own faith community, I've watched a a split and this this ugliness happening since Pastor Chuck's passing. And it's not getting any better. Even in my own flavor, 
there are pastors that I believe should know better. But they're advocating for masks and people taking the jab and social distancing and obeying this Luciferian government. It has actually come to that. So friends, my my word for you, my word of encouragement for you today is to stay the course. Stay the course. Don't get caught up in all of the craziness that's going on today. But continue to speak the truth. Continue to speak the truth. Continue to push the truth of who God is. Friends, God is the supreme judge. Those nine hand-picked men and women who comprise the U.S. Supreme Court, they're not the supreme judge, regardless of what they think or say, regardless of what their enablers, those that have... uh, control files on every one of them. I believe they're being blackmailed into rendering decisions that are favorable to the Marxists, to the Satanists. There's no other explanation for the departure from a constitutional understanding, a natural law understanding It's pretty clear to me and to many others what has happened. And we must, friends, we must stand against that. We must oppose that. We must denounce the state as God because they are not. They are not. And the Supreme Court is not the Supreme Judge. And they do not make law, friends, They want us to believe that, but they don't. That is the legislature. But even the legislature, we've found, is comprised predominantly of cowards. Now, it could be that there are control files on every one of them, too. That goes back to my original point that we began this conversation. Do not be deceived. What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What does it benefit you to go along to get along when in the end you're going to bust hell's gates wide open? Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. The Father will give us everything that we need in this battle. He is outfitting and equipping his people as I speak. I see it. The ranks of the remnant are swelling in the sense that 
many sons and daughters of God are waking up and understanding the times in which we live, and they know what needs to be done. And they're joining the ranks of those who are actually doing it. If you're sitting on the sidelines, I want to encourage you to get up off the bench and get into the game. It's the last best chance that we have. And it may be. I'll concede that there is a possibility that we will not be able to turn America around. It may be too late for that. There is a possibility that that's the case. However, until that becomes abundantly clear, until we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we should be pressing forward. Jesus told us to occupy till he comes. And he hasn't told us not to occupy. He hasn't told us to retreat. I see that command nowhere. I don't sense that command in my spirit. What I sense is, it's time. We have power. We have authority, friends. That power is divine power. It's Holy Spirit power. It is given to us under the authority and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can wield that power because we have that delegated authority under the name of Christ. So while we're doing that, while we are pushing to redeem the lost, to see men and women's lives turned around through faith in Christ, while we're doing that, we need to address these these institutions in America that have become captured. Certainly, can start with our government. I would encourage those of you listening today to seek the Lord, whether he would have you to run for public office. It starts at the grass, grassroots level, maybe school board, maybe county commissioner, maybe city council member, something along those lines. Because if we are, if God is going to give us a, a brief period of time, then we're going to have to have an infrastructure in place. We're going to have to have believers already running, already in office, that can help us stem this tide of wickedness. I don't know how much time we have, and I'm not one to set dates. But it is getting late, late in the game. And I think of my, my children and my grandchildren especially. I look at my great-grandchildren. So the Lord has blessed Kathy and I with three great-grandchildren now. And I look at them and I think, what is the world going to be like for them? What's America going to be like in another 10 years if we, God's people, don't do anything? And if we do rise up, will the Lord honor that? Well, here's what I do know. This is what I, I do believe. 
The Lord will honor all action, all activity that is motivated by Him and is done for His honor and glory. And I think God will use that. I think God will use that in the days in which we live in a powerful way. And what I see happening all across America right now within the remnant body of believers, I see people waking up to this reality. And I see them coming together and uniting. You know, Jesus prayed for that in John 17. And we have, we've always thought, up until recently anyway, that that meant Jesus was praying for all these different denominations to come together and be united. I don't think that's the reality of it. I don't think that's the application. I think that's the individual believer. That's the remnant body. The remnant body coming out of all of these false and failed denominations. Denominations are good for one thing, and that's keeping us divided. I think it's time, friends, for the remnant to wake up and come out of these organizations, these institutions that have kept us divided. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of arguing about matters that have no eternal significance. None. I want to spend my time bringing people together. Bringing people together based on what matters the most. So the remnant body I see all across America coming together. Many of my friends are involved in, in movements that have come up. I, I just want to name a couple. One, the Christian Revolution. The Christian Revolution. And you can look for that. That's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Coach Steve Daubenmeyer, Brett Bowl involved in spearheading that. But what they are doing is they're fighting back. They're going to provide resources financial resources to lawyers and to others who are going to start fighting back. They're going to take the fight to these Luciferians who have thought for so long, who have sat back and thought no one, no one could challenge them. There's a new day. So, the Christian Revolution. You can do a web search and find them and I'd encourage you to to support them with a donation. Then there is the cancel-proof Christianity movement, cancel-proof Christianity movement, going to address education, going to address the church, going to address government, all these different areas of focus, creating a robust Christianity that cannot be decimated by the cancel culture. That's going to require lots of effort. It's going to require lots of participation. And again, if you would like to 
know more about that and maybe financially support that movement, then you can go to gatekeepersonline.com to find that. Gatekeepersonline.com, Cancel Proof Christianity. And, of course, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, whether it's here on Soaring Eagle, whether it's the Vera Monte Report, um, whether it's the Transforming Word Ministries, um, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, the Lord has is, is really, really blessed Kathy and I in the sense that he has opened so many doors for us. Um, give you a brief rundown of that if you're already a subscriber to Transforming Word. And by the way, you can get all these updates if you go to thetransformingword.com, thetransformingword.com, and sign up um, for updates. I'll put you on that distribution list, and then you'll know all of this and what's what's going on. What so it's been a been a full blessed blessed summer. Um, the Go Therefore conference was uh, was a huge blessing. We had eighteen speakers there this year, and we had over one hundred and fifty uh, in person. Um, I, I don't even remember how many we had online. It was a significant number of uh, live stream. Um, we're going to make some tweaks to that. If the Lord tarries and he permits us to do go therefore, uh, next year we're going to make some tweets to that, tweaks to that, uh, to make it even better. Um, but this year was red-pilling the church, so we had an opportunity to to really encourage folks to go back to their communities and do something, serve the king. So that was towards uh, the end of July. In August, Kathy and I spent two weeks in Missouri. I was speaking at uh, two different conferences, um, one in uh, well, a couple of hours from St. Louis, and then the other one was in St. Louis. Um, wonderful time. Met a lot of great people. Um, and then in September, we've got... Uh, speaking at the Cancel Proof Christianity conference. My topic is theology. So again, you can go to uh, Gatekeepers Online to find that. Um, and then October is is going to be busy. Got another conference coming up. How close are we? Uh, Hidden Day Ministries conference. You can go to their website, thehiddenday.com. Um and find that conference, Billy Crone, Andy Woods, Jeff Kinley, Doug Woodward, um, L.A. Marzulli, Olivier Melnick. I know I'm I'm probably leaving some people out. Uh, David Hebner will be there, Pastor Casper McLeod, Chris Taylor. Um, let's see. David Paxton, Neil Peterson, myself. Won't want to miss that, the Hidden Day, um, How Close Are We conference. And then... Uh, and then November, I'm going to be uh, speaking to some folks in, in Iowa. Good group of folks, brothers and sisters. Uh, so anyway, that's that's happening with uh, Kathy and I. I'm currently teaching through Revelation on Sunday mornings, Ezekiel on Wednesday nights. There'll be commentaries coming out after those studies are complete. I'm thinking of of starting a, a YouTube, just a, a live teaching on, on the Holy Spirit and... Uh, Look for feedback and comments from folks. So you can drop something, drop me a note, drmichaelspalding at gmail.com, drmichaelspalding at gmail.com if you're interested in that kind of a study. We'll, we'll do it on YouTube. 
Um, that way we can have chat function. I am going to need some moderators, though, because, you know, any teaching publicly like that draws the uh, draws the wolves. So I'll need some moderators to keep all that in check. And, uh, well, I, that's it for now. I appreciate you joining me today for this episode, folks. I appreciate your prayers and uh, your financial support always. You can give that at thetransformingword.com. There's a place there to donate to support the ministry. So God bless you guys today, and I will see you next time on the next episode. Thank you for joining me today for this episode. Soaring Eagle Radio is a broadcast ministry of the Transforming Word Ministries. You may send correspondence or support donations to Dr. Mike Spaulding, P.O. Box 3007, Elida, E-L-I-D-A, Ohio, 45807. Again, Dr. Mike Spaulding, P.O. Box 3007, Elida, E-L-I-D-A, Ohio, 45807. You may also email me at the following email address, drmichaelspaulding at gmail.com. Again, drmichaelspaulding at gmail.com. Until next time, friends, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be multiplied to you.